Welcome to the Remick Country Doctor Museum and Farm Podcast. The podcast from Remick Country Doctor Museum and Farm, which honors two generations of country doctors, father and son, Edwin Remick and Edwin Crafts Remick, who practiced medicine in Tamworth, New Hampshire for 99 consecutive years. We at Remick Museum seek to preserve the past to educate the future, using the Remick doctors and the Remick family to tell the story of the medical practice and agricultural way of life of the country doctor. On this episode, we'll be reaching into the country doctor's bag to pull out a story of the Remick family in the early 1900s and the influenza pandemic of 1918. Enjoy. Sometime after beginning practice in his hometown of Tamworth in 1894, Dr. Edwin Remick met Emily Alice Crafts while she was visiting Tamworth. Emily was born in 1861 to William and Alice Crafts in Roxbury, Massachusetts. As the youngest daughter of a wealthy and prominent family, she enjoyed traveling, reading, and attending the theater. She spent several summers in the late 1800s in Tamworth to benefit from the healthful New Hampshire air. It was on one such trip that she met her future husband, Edwin Remick. The couple married in November of 1900 in her parents' home and set up housekeeping in Tamworth Village. In September of 1903, the couple welcomed their only child, Edwin Crafts Remick, into the world. His birth must have been a source of great pride and joy for his 37-year-old father and 42-year-old mother. For the Remicks and the country as a whole, it was a time of optimism. The Civil War was becoming a distant memory. The inventions of Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell were changing the world. Public was charmed by President Teddy Roosevelt and his young family in the White House. Henry Ford sold his first Model A and the first automobile cross-country trip spanning from San Francisco to New York. A few months after the birth of their son, in January of 1904, an early morning fire broke out in the Remick's rented home and they lost many of their belongings. Soon afterward, they moved into a local parsonage. Later that year, Dr. Remick's widowed and childless aunt, Sarah Remick Hubbard, died leaving her real estate to her three nephews. Edwin bought out his siblings' inheritance and moved his young family into the then 96-year-old Captain Enoch Remick House. In December of 1904, he relocated his medical practice there as well. By all accounts, Emily was a warm and devoted mother, and young Edwin had a happy early childhood. He played games that children of previous generations had enjoyed, such as marbles, checkers, pickup sticks, and hopscotch. Perhaps Emily read him the new children's book, Peter Rabbit, by Beatrix Potter. Sadly, Emily died at the age of 49 on April 30th, 1911, after a nine-day battle with pneumonia. Dr. Remick hired Emily's close friend, Harriet Crane, to run the household and take care of eight-year-old Edwin. At the age of 45, Dr. Remick was a widower and single father. While Remick father and son were grappling with the tragic loss of beloved mother and wife, 
Tensors were building across the Atlantic that would culminate in the Great War, what we today call World War I. Four years after the war erupted in 1914, just as the Great War was coming to an end, a deadly epidemic was spreading, the Spanish flu. Dr. Remick would have been very familiar with influenza, or what his patients called the grip. Symptoms often resembled a severe cold, with infections of the lining of the respiratory tract congesting the lungs. Although dangerous for the elderly and the very young, adults were expected to make a full recovery. However, this influenza was a phenomenon he had never before witnessed. The flu was killing strong, healthy adults. Cold symptoms intensified and breathing became difficult as lungs filled with liquid. Death often followed within 36 to 48 hours. This epidemic took Dr. Remick and the medical community by surprise. That hot summer, Boston was packed with both civilians and the military. Boston Red Sox had just won the World Series and vast crowds were visiting the shipyards. In August, a dozen soldiers were in the Chelsea Naval Hospital with the flu. By the first week of September, the hospital had twice as many patients as it could handle, with tents pitched on the lawn to hold the overflow. On September 3rd, the first civilian was admitted to Boston City Hospital. By October, panic had hit Boston, with over 3,700 deaths. Public schools and theaters were closed. Most of the military bases throughout the country were hard hit as the disease spread through the closed confines of base life. The flu hit the state of New Hampshire in September, causing 376 deaths by October 1st and 1,669 deaths by November 1st. In October, young Edwin's roommate at Holderness Academy was stricken with the flu on a Saturday and died just three days later. Dr. Remick had his son return home. There were no effective vaccines or antiviral drugs available at the time, and thus little that the elder doctor could do for his patients. Still, he spent days on the road providing what care and comfort he could for his patients. In November, the Spanish flu began to recede. On November 11th, the armistice was signed, ending the war to end all wars. Parades and large public gatherings continued to spread the flu. Now with the war over, people longed to leave the past behind and move on with their lives, never realizing the extent and the cause of the pandemic. It took scientists decades to investigate the cause and the extent of this pandemic. Before the advent of the Center for Disease Control and mandatory reporting by civilian doctors, the public did not know the whole story. Approximately 500 million people were stricken with the flu, with 20 to 50 million deaths worldwide. No war, famine, or infection had killed so many people in such a short time. The term Spanish flu was a misnomer, as the flu did not actually originate in Spain. During the war, governments on both sides censored the news and failed to report the flu epidemic killing their troops. Spain, a neutral nation, openly reported the flu outbreak in their country. As a result, people incorrectly assumed the disease spread from Spain. Today, we know 
that there were three waves of the flu. The first wave of the disease hit in the spring of 1918 and spread across the world along trade routes and troop movements. This wave, however, was mild, and it appeared that the disease had died out by midsummer. However, it resurfaced in August and mutated into a much deadlier disease. Scientists called this outbreak the second wave. It was this second wave of flu that caused the deaths of 2,195 New Hampshire citizens between September 1st and November 30th of 1918. Worldwide, it killed millions during the same span. By late November, the flu began to recede again. A milder third wave of the flu peaked in the United States in January, but by spring, this wave too had waned. It was not until the 1930s, with the invention of the electron microscope, that the flu virus was isolated and identified. Dr. Jonas Salk and Dr. Thomas Francis helped develop the first flu vaccine, which was used to protect the U.S. military during World War II. Today, we know there are different flu strains, and each year scientists must develop a new vaccine for the current flu virus. This has been the Remick Country Doctor and Museum and Farm Podcast, a podcast from Remick Country Doctor and Museum and Farm, located in scenic Tamworth, New Hampshire. This is your host, Andrew Walker. Special thanks to Taylor Sullivan for our theme music. The Remick Country Doctor and Museum and Farm is open year-round. For information about our scheduled events, hours, admission, directions, or to learn more about the Doctor's Remick, visit our home on the web, remickmuseum.org. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon.